Well, uh, I, I'll, I'll go ahead and address the elephant in the room. My name is Pastor Adam Peeler. I, I haven't been here for a while. Uh, you might have noticed my name in the bulletin or uh, heard some, some crazy stories about me. Uh, but I, I would, if you'd indulge me for a moment, I would just like to give thanks uh, to the Church of Carriage Lane, particularly the session uh, I, I, several months ago. I, if you know my, my family's story, we've, we've gone through some difficult times uh, as a family and, and wrestled with all kinds of different struggles. Uh, but in that, uh, the wisdom of the session, uh, they, they offered me a time away to, to work towards uh, some healing, work towards uh, the family, and to take some time of rest. And, and I was very hesitant at first, uh, but then when I finally agreed, uh, my wife and I quickly saw that it was uh, not only the wisdom of the session, but the wisdom of the Lord uh, allowing this to happen. And so for the past two and a half months, my family has, uh, we haven't rested a whole lot, but we have gotten a whole lot of perspective and we have been overwhelmed at the amount of uh, support that we've had from this body and from others, but uh, the continual prayers and the encouragement that the Lord has given. And so uh, I stand here as a man uh, that is very grateful for this body, but also very grateful for the Lord that we serve. And so uh, with that, uh, let's look uh, to, to the word uh, of the Lord. Uh, as I was preparing this lesson or this sermon, I was uh, wrestling with in myself contentment, and uh, I, I, I read a, a funny article in which I kind of followed along with, and uh, I, I'll share it with you uh, this evening. Uh, there was a lady out in Texas who was out mowing a field on a tractor, and she was um, just kind of cruising along, enjoying the day. Uh, she was in the middle of a field where there was no clouds in the sky, there were no tre- trees nearby, and uh, she felt something hit her arm. And as she looked down, she looked and realized that there was a snake that had just fallen on her arm. She didn't know how it got there, but she quickly tried to, to throw it off, and in that process, it wrapped around her arm and then began to try and strike her in the face. Thankfully, she had glasses on, and it, it hit the glasses a couple times. But as she was trying to process that, next thing she knew, there was this large brown object that flew into uh, her, her vision, and it landed on her arm, and it was a hawk. Uh, it was the hawk that was carrying the snake that dropped it on her arm, and it wanted its, its meal back, and it thought that she, she was fighting for it. Uh, and so she was, she was frantically trying to get it off. The hawk was trying to get it. Its talons were digging into her arms. And about the time the husband comes around the corner to figure out what was going on, all of it was gone, and she was standing there bloody and crying. And it, it occurred to me as, as I thought of that, uh, I thought, you know, there are circumstances and there are those days in life in which we do not know what is coming towards us. We do not understand what is going to be the next thing. And, and she, she talked about how after that, uh, you know, they, they ended up doing a little swab on the, 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 the liquid on her eyeglasses and it ended up being a poisonous snake. And she said, you know, everything in, in life has changed. I have this new perspective. I have this understanding. Chocolate tastes so much better now. And I, I kind of chuckled to myself, but I also thought of that. And, and I thought, you know, there's a, a man in the Bible in which had a, had a similar circumstance where he was shipwrecked and he was trying to build a fire because uh, things were not going like he had wanted. And, and he was in the middle of, of being cold and, and fighting for life. And all of a sudden, a snake comes out and bites him. He throws it to the side and just continues on. And I thought to myself, how on earth does a man like that uh, how, how does he have that type of contentment? And so 
as I was uh, thinking through this, uh, we're, we're going to look at uh, this passage in Philippians uh, chapter 4, verses 10 through 13. And what I hope that we will achieve as we look at this passage is we want to try and understand uh, or learn, how do we learn the gift of Christian contentment? Uh, and particularly, we're going to look at the Apostle Paul. Uh, let me read the passage for us now. This is Philippians uh, chapter 4. Uh, verses 10 through 13. It says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly, and now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty, hunger, abundance, and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And so as we look at our text here, what we're going to again try and accomplish is we want to learn how do we learn the gift of Christian contentment. I'm going to try and split this into two different uh, kind of main topics here so that we can, or or, um, main ideas. Uh, And so uh, the first thing we're going to look at is we need to understand what being content is by looking at the context of this letter and the life of Paul. And then after that, we will look at how we need to learn how to be content in the Lord ourselves. Uh, So start things off. How do we understand what being content is by looking at the context of this letter and the life of Paul? If we look at this letter, he's writing it to a church in Philippi. Uh, He is writing it, but he also comes with a significant amount of experience himself. Uh, I remember being a, a young parent and trying to wrestle three kids in the grocery store, and my wife and I are, are looking at it, and we're just trying to figure out that we don't have enough hands to try and make all of this work. And somebody looked at my wife and said, you should keep having more children. It only gets easier from there. And we looked, and my wife very wisely said, well, how many children do you have? And they said, we have two. And I quickly dismissed that and said, well, this person doesn't know what they're talking about. Well, what I hope to, to, to accomplish as we look at the life of Paul and we look at the context of this letter is that Paul is in a completely different circumstance than that individual at the grocery store, that, that he has the authority not only as an apostle, not only being inspired by the word, uh, by, by the spirit writing this letter, but he, he has lived life and he has experience that we should listen to. And so if we remember the church of Philippi, we, we can kind of piece together in Acts chapter 16 where Paul first meets these people. Uh, he is wanting to go to, to Asia. He's wanting to go do this work, and he's feeling very called to it, but the Lord keeps shutting that opportunity off and keeps directing him in different ways. And he ends up there, and he ends up uh, next to the river, and he, he meets some people there. Things are going well. He's sharing the gospel. Things are, things are going like any, any evangelistic uh, kind of person would want is, hey, this is going good. But as he passes by, there is a, a, a demon-possessed a slave girl that comes by, and when she comes by, he casts this demon out, and there's this kind of big uproar uh, because this this girl made lots of money for for the owner, and the next thing you know, Paul and his his uh, companions are are getting beat. The next thing he knows, he's in prison, uh, and he's sitting there in a prison cell singing, and then all of a sudden the earthquakes, and and he's freed, and then he's able to, to share the good news of the gospel with the, the jailer there, and then you know there. They're quickly saying, hey, we, we want you to, to, to depart and to, to leave and you know, kind of leave that to go. And he said, well, why would you treat a Roman citizen that way? And they're like, uh-oh, 
Uh, and, and so there's these this ups and downs that we're seeing already and in, in just in what this, this church is understanding. But if we read on, we, we see that, that Paul, that was just a, a one little story snapshot, that there's a lot more to Paul's life. He outlines some of it, not trying to boast, but trying to, to again, in a different letter, show some of the, the reasons why he can say the things he says. If you look in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 28, he lists some of those things out. And I don't think it's a complete list, but it gives a, a good overview. So let me read it for us now. With far greater labors, with far greater imprisonment, with countless beatings, and often near death, five times I received the hands of the Jews, the forty lashings, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys, and in danger from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, dangers from false brothers, in turmoil and hardships, through many sleepless nights, in hunger and in thirst, often without food, in cold exposure, and apart from others, other things, there is the daily pressure on my life, uh, on me, of my anxiety for all the churches. So I think what we can understand very quickly, and we're looking at Paul's life and the experiences he's been through, is that it means something when Paul says that I am content. That it means something different than just somebody, a four-year-old coming up and saying, you know, hey, everything is good in my life. That, that Paul knows what he's talking about. He's lived life and, and that he's got something that we should learn from him. Uh, so the next thing that I'd like us to do is to look at what, uh, look at what contentment actually means. Uh, if you were to, to look it up in a, in a dictionary, I'm not sure if anybody has those anymore, but if you were to Google it, you might get one of these definitions that says something like this. Contentment is a state of happiness or satisfaction. And for us, many of us would say, okay, that, that makes sense. But as we start to kind of process that and think about contentment, it starts to get a little tricky because uh, we start to look at that. And if you were a boss or something like that, and you were going to do a year-end performance evaluation for one of your workers, and you, you called them in and you said, hey, what would you, how would you describe your, your current life circumstances and, and how you're performing here at this company? And they responded with, I'm content. Uh, you, you might kind of scratch your head a little bit and say, oh, okay, uh, you know, if you were on, you know, you've been in a kind of a rough season in, in marriage and, and you've worked through some different things and you, you decide to, uh, you and your spouse decide to go out on a, on a date and you're out there and you, you've kind of gotten to that, you know, deeper kind of like, hey, how are we doing conversation? And you, you look at your spouse and, they res- and you say, how do you think we're doing? And they said, I'm, I'm content. Uh, there's, a, there's a wrestling in there. And then even if we're looking at, at our lives and, you know, we, we're wrestling with where we are and we start to look at, you know, on this path of sanctification, on these ups and downs of life, uh, would, would I say that, that how, would I, how would I describe my relationship with the Lord? Should I describe it as being content? And so what we have to do is we have to understand that when we're talking about being content, it really means what we're being content in. And so what Paul is, is trying to describe here and what he's doing very well is he's saying that I am content in the Lord. I'm in content with what Jesus has done. And so to understand that, you've got to go back and you've got to look at some of the context of that, and particularly the way in which we can see it very on display in this book of Philippians is one uh, verse in here that, that comes to 
remind very clearly that any new believer who has faced any hardship would be quickly quick to reference. And that's Philippians uh, chapter 1, verses 21 through 24. It says, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and to be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. And so what we see here is, is we start to, to, start to kind of understand the, 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 the tightening in and the understanding of what Paul is saying here when he's saying that he's learned to be content. He's learned to be content in Christ, uh, the one in which he is, is living his life for. At this very exact moment in which he was writing this letter, this is it. And so there's, there's a question that kind of comes to mind of, okay, well, what, what are we content in? And, and what Paul is wanting us to understand is, is when we start to, to look at Christ, we start to understand what Christ has done. And if we think of Christ, instantly we begin to, to understand that Christ has been in existence in the Godhead from all eternity, and that he has been with the Lord, and he is, is part of the Trinity, and he comes and he humbled himself, and he took on flesh, and he came to this world to save a broken and sinful people. And he came because the Lord, the, the Father sent him. And so as he comes, he, he doesn't just show up, save everybody, and then leave. He, he starts as a child, and he He's born of the Virgin Mary, and he lives life, and he learns, and he grows, and he, he faces hardships. He faces different challenges. He faces the difficulties of, of how, you know, families are shifting and, and different things that are going around, uh, the, the ways in which he, he is persecuted, the, the different challenges of, of life that just normal people would have, but then the reality is on top of that, of, of the fact that he is being tempted by the devil himself, that he is going forth, and, and yet he continues on without sin, and, and he's and he's perfectly content in what the Lord has called him to do, so much so that he even goes to the cross, and he dies there on the cross, and, and he dies, and he takes on all the sins of all the people who, who believe in him, and he doesn't stay dead, but instead he he's raises from the, gra- the, from the grave, and there he, he is interceding for his people, and so he, he has perfectly lived out this life. He is raised from the dead, and now he's interceding, and so, so Paul's looking at this life that Jesus led, led and he's saying, okay, so, so all my sins have been washed clean, and not only that, but, but as I stand and as I go before the Father, when, when death calls to me, that, that not only will, will my sins be washed clean, but the Father will be looking at me and he'll be seeing Jesus' perfect works. And Paul says, I, I can live with this. I, I, can, I can be content in the Lord knowing these things because I know what the Lord has done for me. And so with that, we, we see that that this is the, the key that has unlocked the secret of Paul's contentment, that he understands that he is saved through faith in Christ, and Christ is the one that's done the work, Christ is the one that is continuing to do the work, and Christ will be the one that does the work throughout eternity to make him be able to be acceptable in the sight of the Father. And so uh, with the power of the Holy Spirit working in him, he's able to understand these things. And so with all that in mind, 
uh, there's, there's this idea that, that we need to understand of, uh, well, why would we want contentment? Why would we want uh, the, these same things? And I, and I hope that you're, you're starting to see the eagerness in, in my own voice in this, of, of this desire of, of wanting what Paul has, what he says that he has learned. Uh, and so we want to be freed of, of, the, of the, the, the weights of this world. We want to be freed of, of the challenges of this world. And so uh, with that, we need to, to learn how we can be content in the Lord ourselves. Uh, to do that, I have uh, three kind of sub points underneath this that will hopefully, uh, for those that are, are trying to follow along, will, will help us understand these things. Uh, the first was is that uh, God gives us indicators to understand where we might be weak in contentment. We also uh, next will look at how contentment is learned, and then to end and close things out, uh, we will look at how we need perspective to be content in the Lord. So the first thing to look at is how God uses uh, indicators in our lives. I think the first thing that we need to make clear is that uh, to be content in the Lord is you have to be saved. You have to be a Christian. If you think that uh, for any moment in your life as, a, as living outside of the forgiveness of, of, of the Lord through Jesus, that you can find contentment as this Lord uh, in this world, you are, are sadly mistaken. That you will maybe find glimpses, maybe you'll find moments in which you feel like you're content, that you're at peace, but the reality is, if you're not uh, in, inside of Christ, you are actually at war with the Lord. And so in that war, you, you will never find contentment. And so my encouragement to you this evening is, if you haven't find, found contentment and salvation through, through the work of Jesus, that you would ask the Lord, that you would plead with him this evening and be able to come and put your faith and trust in him. Uh, and ne- next, uh, one of the things as believers that we oftentimes see as a, as a tremendous flag for us of, hey, uh, there, there might be a deficiency in my contentment in the Lord, is are our hearts filled with fear? Uh, oftentimes, Pastor Sam and I will, will kind of encourage each other because we look at each other and say, hey, uh, you know what, what we need to be careful of is we don't need to get on the what-if train. Uh, and, and at first, they're kind of like, what are, you, what are you talking about there? Uh, but it's one in which we, we use regularly because oftentimes in life, we start to, to say, well, what if this happened? Uh, wh- what, if, what if I went home today and, and I found this at home? Or, or what if I got a, a report back from my doctor and it said this? Or, or what if uh, on, on the way home driving, somebody cut in front of me? Or, or what if this happened to my employment? What if, and, and all of a sudden, you've gotten on this train and it's moving full speed down the road and your mind is is just swirling with different fears it's all these things that that you're you're oftentimes crippled with because you just don't understand how you got there and and that uh to to us is a huge indicator of ways in which we're not being content in the lord and where we are but instead we we have moved on past get lord give us this day our daily bread but we have moved into lord maybe you can give me like this daily year or, or something further than that uh, what we also see is if we have a focus on ourselves, uh, when we read through the book of Philippians, uh, there, there is a whole lot in there, and, and I feel like I'm just giving a quick little snapshot of this, um, but, but Paul is, is throughout the, this whole letter teaching uh, the, the people there how to be content. And, and what he is, in a, in a tremendous example at the beginning of the letter, uh, he explains that, that he is in prison and that all these things are going around him. And in fact, there are people that are preaching the gospel and they're preaching it not, not for the glory of God, but they're, they're not doing it even for the glory of themselves, but they're doing it to try and inflict 
pain upon Paul. And so there's this like, how does that even work? But Paul's response is, but I'm thankful that the gospel is going forth. And so there's this this idea in our minds of like, hey, if, if we're all of a sudden continually focused on ourselves, if we're continually asking these questions of uh, how, how do I get glory in this circumstance? I, how do I add to, to my significance? How do I find more pleasure in this world? Or, or how do I end up with more status? Uh, well, then that, that should indicate that there's, there's a heart issue going on, that, that we're not finding contentment in the Lord. We're trying to find it in, in the world. Uh, and, and I think one of the things that we also see in that is, is in the areas, you know, when I say ministry, I mean that very broadly, whether that's uh, a child that is going to school and trying to learn, or whether that's uh, someone going to work, or whether that's working in a, in a marriage, the, this idea of ministry. If, if we're in ministry and all of a sudden every, every day we feel like we've poured ourselves out and there's just nothing left and we feel just crispy, uh, there, there's a, an idea of called burnout, and there's an idea where, where we're working for ourselves, and instead of working for the Lord and being filled with the Spirit, we, we see that, that there's a constant desire for ourselves, and so we should be aware if, if we're feeling a constant burn in, in, our, in, our, in our ministry that, that hey, I, I'm not being content with what the Lord's doing. I'm trying to make things happen myself. And then the last uh, indicator uh, to point out tonight is, uh, do you lack joy, and instead do you murmur? Uh, one of the, the things that we read throughout all of the Old Testament is, uh, and even in the New Testament, is that murmuring is really looked down upon. Uh, if you were to define murmur, it's, it's basically to complain. And when we think of murmuring, we, we kind of dismiss it and don't really talk about it that much. But if you were to just look through and say, okay, you know, wh- what happens after the Israelites murmur? Well, not, not good things. And, and a lot of the, the idea is, well, why, why does God punish murmuring so much? And it really reveals a heart attitude because when all of a sudden murmuring happens, it doesn't just happen with your lips, but it happens in your heart. It happens in your mind. But as these murmurings start to come out, what you're really starting to do is you're, you're not complaining of your life circumstances. It might seem like it, but what you're doing is you're complaining to the Lord and saying, Lord, I don't think you fully understand where I am in life. I don't think you fully understand the hardships that I'm going. If you were to do it a different way, things would be better for me. And so there's a a clear uh, inversion there of, okay, now I'm trying to put myself in the place of God. I'm trying to to order things. And and it's a huge indicator of, you know what, If, if people oftentimes talk to me, and if they leave and they feel like, hmm, you know, that guy's a joyful person. You know, he, he clearly has pointed me to the Lord. He's encouraged me. Is, is that something that the Lord is, or people will oftentimes say to you? I, I know I have people in my life, and, and when I'm having a down day, like those are the people that I want to go talk to. But the difference is, you know, I don't know if people ever come to me about that, but it's, it's really convicting. It's, it's very revealing to me of, well, what am I putting my confidence in? Well, now that we've, we've kind of gone down and, and hopefully everybody in the room is feeling great about their, their life and, and feeling content and where they are, um, there's, there's some ideas uh, that I would like to say um, about how contentment is learned. Uh, we see here that Paul in this, uh, this brief passage says two times that he is learned. Uh, contentment is not just given to us, but in fact it's learned. And one of the, the, the first things that we need to know is that the Lord decides the curriculum that we learn with and also the pace with which we learn it. 
Uh, and for us, uh, that can be very challenging because uh, when we look at when we want to learn things, it's oftentimes that we'll go and watch a YouTube video on how to do it, or we'll look for the convenient time in life in which we, we learn it. But the Lord, in His infinite wisdom, oftentimes teaches us to be content in times where we're not really ready for it and we're not necessarily looking for it, but the Lord knows that we need it. Uh, we also see here at the beginning of this passage that Paul is explaining that, that he has learned some things in the context of the church. Uh, he's talking to the church at Philippi, and, you know, oftentimes we look at Paul and we think, man, this, this man, he knew what was going on. Like, he is like the superhero. He is the guy that, that's just doing everything great. But what we, we see here is that, that Paul is resting upon the, the, the help of other believers, that he is, he is learning contentment in the context of the church. Uh, he is allowing other people to bear his burdens, and he's allowing other people, or he's, uh, he's in relationship with other people, and he's allowed to bear their burdens as well. And so we see that there's this idea that we, we can't do it alone, that we have to do it as, as a body and as, as part of the church. It's the gift that God has given us. Uh, we also see uh, that we need to be alert uh, that the evil one uses different tools in which uh, to, to really uh, chip away at our contentment in the Lord. Uh, we see it in the garden at the beginning where Adam and Eve are confronted uh, with the serpent and the devil says, uh, did I really say, or did God really say? How many times in life do we know the promises of God? Do we know the truths of Scripture? And yet we, we question to ourselves, did God really say that? Do I, can I really believe that? Uh, we also know that the Lord will, or the, the, the evil one will, will put little uh, things in our minds at times where we start this comparison game, where we start looking at other people and saying, well, how come they have that? Or if I was in that circumstance, things would be so much easier for me. Uh, and, and there's all kinds of, of, of challenges that come there, but we also need to realize how the Lord is working and doing things. We also know, uh, I, I heard, I think it was a Lifeway research uh, poll that they recently did uh, where they, they just took a huge uh, thing of, of professing believers and they, they asked some questions and basically they were trying to determine how many people believe in, in, in the prosperity gospel. And they said over 50% of, of the people that they surveyed believe that there was a direct tie to if, if I do things well, I will be blessed monetarily, health-wise, and, and everything is, is if I do things good, then God will bless me, and I, I will live a life of comfort and ease. And I would, I would ask you to look back and look at Paul's life again and see if that lines up with what the prosperity gospel is, is teaching. Now, there are principles that the Bible teaches that will lead to us being uh, more resourceful in, in different things, and, and I don't want to take away from that, but there is a reality in which if we, uh, if we constantly are selling in our minds that, that if I'm a Christian and God loves me, well, that means I will get everything that I want and that I will get all of these blessings, uh, that, that you're, you're in for a, a little bit of a disappointment because you're about to learn how to be content in other things. Uh, that's a, a constant thing in which we're, we're, we're learning. Um, but then there's also uh, the question uh, as, as we look ahead of, of, okay, so those are all kind of like warnings and different things, but, but like how do, we, how do we actually learn it? Like how did Paul actually learn how to do these things? Like that's, that's a huge step to get there. And, and I've been saving kind of the best for last on this is the means of grace. And, and some people might roll their eyes and say, okay, well, well just take for a minute. What, what is it in Paul's life 
that is allowing him to learn how to be content. Well, yeah, sure, all these other things, but what's ultimately there is, is here's a man who has studied scriptures, who has memorized scriptures, who has sung scriptures. What, what did he do when he was in prison? Uh, he, he sang the scriptures. He, you know, he's singing hymns. He's doing all these things because he knows that these are the things that will get him through hard times. What does he ask for when he's, you know, send my scrolls to me. Uh, he, he knows that the word of God has the power to which bring forth the fruit in his life that will allow him to see God for who he is. How do we, how do we know who God is? Well, through his word. And so if, if we're not in the word, if we're not reading the word, if we, if we don't have it written in our hearts, if we're not hearing it preached, if we're not reminded in conversations about it, well, well, then what happens? How does, how does that work? Well, that's, that's where the means of grace come in. And not only that, but we have prayer. It, it, how, how is Paul relating to all these people? He's not next to them. He, you know, he's in prison. Well, he, he's praying for them, and they're praying for him. All of a sudden, as he's praying, he's starting to understand who God is. He's starting to, to, to have these scriptures come to mind. And, and we start to see these beautiful pictures of how God has used these ordinary things to, to bring, about, bring about amazing fruit in our lives. And on top of that, we've been given the sacraments. We, we have the, the, the sign and seal of baptism and of the Lord's Supper in which we're about to participate where we can, we can tangibly see things. We can be reminded. We can think about, hey, there's a road sign that's pointing us and all of our children to the Lord. There's the seal that's been applied to us that we, we know that, that the Lord's work is, is good. These promises are true. And we can say yes and amen to them. And so those are, those are the things in which we should be constantly filling our minds with uh, to, to look towards being content uh, in the Lord. And the final thing in which we can look at is we need perspective. Uh, and we need, we need a lot of that in this day and age, and Paul did too. And the first question I would ask as we look to, to trying to find perspective is, how, God, how small is the God that you serve? Uh, you know, when, when I used to, to help with some of the youth, I used to always try and, and get these, you know, teenage boys, they, their world was this big, and I said, you know, you need to look up, and I'm not saying look up to look for hawks or anything like that, but the idea is you need to look up and, and see just how big God is, because at this current rate, when, when you start getting discontent, you start things started getting smaller, and you start trusting in the Lord less because you, you don't see the power that he has. And so to, to look up, to be reminded, again, this is the, one of the wonderful gifts of the sacraments that we have. Uh, we also need to understand that God is at work even when we can't see it. Uh, there are lots of times in life where we are hit with circumstances and we're like, I don't know how I can make it through this. I don't understand how I'm going to make it to the next day. I can't think of what Paul must be thinking as he's floating out there in the ocean, you know, a day and a night, and something bumps his leg. Like, I'm it. I'm, I'm done. I'll just let go, and I'll float down, and, and everything will be okay. But there's this idea of how do we keep going? And, and here it is, that, that the Lord is, is doing things in our lives in which is bringing forth a tremendous amount of fruit, not only for the kingdom, but for our own lives. And, and we don't always know what that is, but when we do get to see it, it's a wonderful opportunity for us to share it with others inside of the context of the church and even outside of that. And so we need to be continually reminded of, you know, I, I don't know what's going on here, but I know that the Lord is good, and I know that he's at work. Uh, we also need to understand how being content in the Lord will set us free. 
Uh, when we are looking at trying to be content, one of the things we are often often faced with in this life is we want more. Uh, we want to try and grab hold of things. We want to try and, and fill up our bank accounts or fill up, you know, that, that we'll hug as many children as we can and, and hold on to them as long as we can. But we, we try and, and, and hold on to that. But the reality is that that everything in this world belongs to the Lord. It, it's not ours. Everything that has been given to us is from the Lord. And so all of a sudden it starts, starts to change our perspective some because if there's a reason that the Lord hasn't given you something, it might be, actually we know it, it's, it's for our own good. There are certain things in which in my life have not been given to me because if I had them, I probably would start worshiping those things more than I would worship for the Lord. So the Lord has very graciously held those things back from me. And so there's a perspective change of, you know what, I'm thankful that either my brother or sister has that or, or that I don't have it and that that individual has been blessed with that and, and I'm thankful that, that I'm not. So I'm going to be content in that. Uh, and then the thing in which we can close with is uh, we, we need to be uh, constantly reminded and have our perspective continually realigned to the fact of how much God loves us. Uh, when, when, when I asked, uh, you know, hey, you know, do you ever jump on that what-if train? What, what are some of those fears that might be popping into your head? And I don't want you to dwell on those things or, or anything, but, but when we start to ask those questions, well, what are the, the different trials that, that I'm going to face in life? Uh, what could be taken from me that, that I, I don't know if I could make it? Uh, what punishment could be inflicted to me that I feel like, oh, that would just be, that'd be just too far? Think for a moment, are any of those things worse than what happened to Jesus? Is there anything that could happen to you that was worse than what happened to Jesus? And I think you'll, you'll find out very quickly as, as Jesus hung on the cross and that he suffered all of the punishment for all of our sins that, that no, we, we have a Savior who has gone before us and who loves us so much that he took on all of our sin and so that he knows what we're going through. And as, as we're praying, he's interceding for us and that he's working these things out for not only our good, but for the glory of God. And in that, we can find great and enjoyment. And so, with, with that, there's, there's the reminder of in every circumstance, in every trial, what we can do is we can turn to the Lord and we can be content knowing that he is doing what is good and brings him glory and allows us to find enjoyment with him. And with that, let me close in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so thankful for Jesus. We are thankful for the ways in which he has lived, Lord, the ways in which he has gone before, but the way in which he is our brother and our Savior, and how he is our high priest, and how he is the perfect sacrifice, the, the slain lamb that has risen, and Lord, that he is interceding for us now. So Lord, we thank you for this amazing gift uh, of salvation that you have. Lord, we pray that you would allow us to be content in every circumstance, that we would be reminded over and over again of what you're doing in our lives, and Lord, that we would we rejoice, rejoice all the more at any suffering that we uh, come into. Lord, I do pray that you would be with those that, uh, that are struggling, Lord, that, that we would be able to, to be an encouragement to one another, and as a church, we would share each other's burdens, and that we'd be able to point each other to you. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen.